Hello there, space fans. It's been quite a while. The Supercluster team is busy covering the Artemis program, NASA's mission to return humans back to the moon. We've had quite a, a few couple of months, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of delays, a lot of celebration. A lot of folks gathering down at Kennedy Space Center for SLS, down at Starbase uh, for Starship. We thought we'd hop on a a podcast today to talk about SLS and what's been going down in Florida these last couple of weeks. Told to you by the folks who are down there working the mission, and that includes Eric Kuna and uh, Jenny Hotman, uh, Superclusters photographers. Hey guys. Hey Robin, how's it going? Hello. Uh, I'm not as mad as you are, Eric. Um, Uh, I'm not not mad uh, per se, but it could be frustrating. Yeah, Eric always tweets, it launches when it launches. And uh, (laughs) that still applies to Artemis 1. And we have uh, Jenny and Eric with us right now to tell us about the activities uh, during these uh, first couple of launch attempts. And after, we're going to have Swapna Krishna and Chris Gebhardt join us to talk about NASA and what their plan is to actually get the rocket off the ground. I want to dial back a year in the lead up to Artemis 1. Jenny, you visited the Space Launch System inside the Vehicle Assembly Building at NASA. Can you tell us first about seeing the the rocket for the first time and what was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, we were all very excited to uh, finally see it complete and to see, you know, what it would look like at the launch pad or when it launches. So we were all very excited. It was my first time in the VAV, so mm-hmm. I, I was freaking out for sure. And it is massive. Like, and I mean, not only is the VAB massive, but the rocket, and it just, it gives you a sense of scale mm-hmm. of that rocket. And then on top of that, it gives you a sense of the power that it, it holds. Right. It's just, it's unbelievable. And it makes you just so much more excited to see it roll out and hopefully launch. And it was just... <laughs> Thanks for having <laughs> that caveat. Um, Eric, you also went out there during the rollout, can you tell us, because you're, you've been working down at Cape for a long time, photographing all kinds of rockets, uh, Falcon Heavy, Falcon 9, Atlas, Delta Heavy. What was your reaction to seeing SLS, this massive rocket for the first time? That's sort of been a, like a mirage to us for many, many years at Kennedy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it is a massive rocket. And it's definitely one of those where when you get in its presence, you're like, yeah, this is much bigger uh, than anything out there. Well, at least, you know, in recent times. Um, yeah. So it's it's definitely been uh, cool to see. Did it meet your expectations in terms of size? It did. It did. You know, I was expecting it actually to be a little bit larger than I than it ended up being, you know, um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that's how maybe it is when it's, it's kind of hiked up right. uh, the way it yeah. is. And then it's, when it, you it, use it, words like a massive, mega, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> and, you know, I think that's what it is. And kind of knowing like the Orion capsule that's at the top, like while it's big, it's, I've been in, you know, walking by it in the VAB for years, you know, uh, they have like a mock-up ones and stuff they're testing out in there. And it's not, you know, that part is not that big. So you're like, oh, okay, well, it's going to be big, but it's probably not going to be that big, you right. know, versus like you get by Starship and it's like huge, you know? Yeah. So. 
Okay. Well, we'll still we'll still give it credit for being big. It's big. <laughs> and, it's big. Uh, you know, I I'm not down at Artemis one, or wasn't down for for this last couple of attempts. But I did Saturday, September third, which was the last scrub. That was the anniversary of me actually beginning my Artemis One coverage many years ago in 2015. I visited Orion, which is the crew vehicle sitting on top of SLS. I visited Orion at Kennedy Space Center. It had recently, the first version of that vehicle had flown on a flight test before SLS existed. Lockheed was working on the vehicle at the ONC at Kennedy, and I got to visit the vehicle and in. You know, I talked to Lockheed and I remember at that time, NASA would say, oh, yeah, we're launching in a couple of years. The SLS <laughs> is going to be in the VAB in 2017, we promise. And uh, that was, you know, that didn't happen. It, it took a long time to get everything ready. I visited Orion quite a few times since 2015. There's been quite a few tests. One funny thing, because as we all know, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know that the issue at hand here is a fuel leak with these connecting cables. Ironically, I, Boeing brought me and a few other reporters out to the site where they were building these things. And we we were showing the hydraulic lines and the fuel lines. And we were told how critical they were with the emission. And let me tell you, I believe them now. Oh, I believe, yeah. I believe oh, they're yeah. a critical component in getting a rocket safely off the pad. The f- famous footage of shuttle launches and other launches, the cables detaching are always part of that imagery. Um, seeing them quickly detach before that rocket lifts off the ground. And if you're a layman thinking about what's delaying SLS, it's those cables detaching in a safe way, making sure there's no fuel leak and nothing flammable leaking on the rocket at all yeah because hydrogen is very flammable when exposed to oxygen very much so and the tight and and nasa has a very tight tolerance for that kind of leak on any kind of rocket because of how flammable that is so yeah we here we are today eric and jenny have lost a significant amount of sleep Mm -hmm. Uh, media companies around the world have lost a significant amount of budget and many people flew down not once, but twice down to Cape Canaveral uh, to try and catch the SLS launch. This is part of the space game. This is a rocket launching for the first time. And just because it's NASA doesn't give it any special. You know what I mean? These are still contractors. These are still space industry, space industry contractors building these machines those delays that are expected across the industry can be expected at NASA. What does suck is that this rocket has been in development for 10 plus years, the billions of dollars, and it's made from components that we've used before. So there yes. is, you know, yes. so it, do, it is disappointing and <laughs> it is, it does raise alarms and it is a red flag that we are having these issues. We're not going to gloss over it. There's lots of Twitter conversation and, a lot of tweets. Oh, well, the shuttle scrubbed this many times. Yeah. Saturn scrubbed this many times. We get it. That doesn't mean we're going to accept. That couldn't these- be the normal. <laughs> right. That's just 2022. That- exactly. It's 2022 where it's okay to be concerned and it's okay to ask questions. And I, I have to be honest, NASA's communication throughout this process has been poor. 
it seems like they're they're calling for press conferences where we are attending these press conferences, but no new information is being given. Yeah, yes. I have to be frank. We've been working in this industry for quite a while. Like I said, I've been covering Artemis before it was called Artemis. It was called Exploration Mission One. Yeah, the people that I'm talking to are telling me that September is not on the table. And when I we had a press conference at eleven o'clock today, NASA says they're trying this, trying that. A lot of people seem confused. The messaging seems jumbled, but we're still hoping for the best. And we never get like a direct answer. Right, right, exactly. So I guess that brings us to Kennedy Space Center. Tell us about, you know, each of your, both of you are there. Tell us about the atmosphere of that first launch attempt when everyone was there. Like, what was the atmosphere like? Well, I would say, you know, the, the atmosphere on the, the first launch attempt, everybody was expecting stuff to happen on the first one. Right. I, even though when, when it did happen, you know, you get those gasps in the press center where, you know, everybody's yeah. like, oh, uh, you know, we, we'd hit the hydrogen leak or we'd hit the, right. you know, something wrong with the engine and, you know, these the sensors and, you know, stuff would happen. You expect that stuff, you know, again, like you're saying, but it is one of those things where we're still trying to figure a lot of this stuff out when so that was really the atmosphere is we, the first one kind of expected it. You know, I don't think there was any shock, you know, right. I, I really didn't expect it myself. I was kind of that first one. I was like, yeah, it's probably going to scrub and probably have to work through some issues. It definitely felt like that in the, around the atmosphere on there felt like that, that first right. one. I completely agree. Like I kind of went in with not a lot of hope that morning and I feel like it just got less and less as the hours ticked by. And Mm -hmm. like, we never got to like a point where it's like, Oh, it could be today. We never had that feeling, but yeah. And you know, it ended up scrubbing that day, but. To compare it to the last big test flight we had. Now, I guess some would argue, well, that was Crew Dragon or Falcon Heavy. I would argue it's Falcon Heavy. And I think the atmosphere there was less tense because Elon told everyone it was going to explode. Like he (laughs) multiple times, he said, hey, guys, it's going to explode. And we were all sort of on the edge of our seats expecting something to go wrong or at least a scrub and that it didn't happen that day. Well, that that you bring up a good point there, Robin. And that's one of the things that I would say is been kind of shaky. And in, in this one is the communication around this mission of being more like, hey, we are launching and then always backpedaling into, oh, yeah, but it's always been a test flight. And it's like, yeah. well, I, almost, I almost feel like they should definitely call these test flights and they should definitely never say the word launch. You know, yeah. it's right. just just because, it, you know, it, it really is hurting perception. And I know we're in the industry. We understand this. But one of the things out of both of these attempts that really happened was I see public perception of just the people that I'm dealing with out in the public really kind of shifting real quick, mm-hmm. you know, to where, you know, when people come over and disrupt their lives because they think, oh, NASA's launching today. And all they mm-hmm. hear from NASA is we're launching. You know, we are going, we are launching. And it's like, well, I think it would have been better to kind of frame that up as, hey, we are testing today. It right. might launch today. It probably won't launch in, today. You yeah, know, people like flew those, in from Europe. People yeah. flew in from Canada. People flew in and, from Canada. And again, Canada. I know that people say, well, it's hard and this is hard. And I definitely agree with that. I, I, I'm not discounting that. 
but it's it's about the communication and right. the messaging to people. You right. know, I think that's where you know that became that became an issue. Totally. I totally agree. Yeah. I feel like they're giving the people a little bit too much hope when mm-hmm. people like us who are, you know, we deal with scrubs almost all the time, you know, right. we kind of go in with less hope, but so many people that are coming in, taking days off of work or buying flights from all over the world, from Canada, from Europe, like it's, it's, it broke my heart, you know, after yeah. these two scrubs to see these people having to go home and like right. so many things they probably moved and canceled or work, like it all just kind the of money spent. I mean, family vacations uh, yeah. and everything, you know, it's one, one funny thing I saw after these scrubs, people were tweeting, no one ever remembers the scrubs. You should probably hold that statement until the rocket flies because yeah. if the <laughs> rocket blows up. I promise you, we are going to remember these scrubs. And yep. that first scrub was on the cover of the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. So I don't. There's a lot of people on Twitter tweeting really crazy stuff. But as someone who has lived through many, many scrubs, I promise you, we're going to remember these Artemis scrubs at some For point. Sure. <laughs> and I think a lot of people will, but I mean, us yeah. who go out there and lose right. sleep because of it, people who come to fly here, yeah. like they'll remember. I'm sorry, we're not going to be giving, you know, let's see where this goes, because I think up till now, look, there's been a couple scrubs where we're delayed, but we have to see where this goes, because if NASA launches, you know, before the end of the year, great. But if these delays continue and there's more and more and more problems, we need people need to lay off the, oh, this happened during shuttle. This happened during Saturday yeah. Five. I do. We don't like you said, Eric, it's 2022 and we are beyond this. These things that you're you're comparing 50 years ago to today. Yeah. Jenny, can you tell us what VIPs you saw down there? Because there was quite a few people down there. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there were. I mean, I I wasn't here for the Falcon Heavy demo. I was actually not even on site for demo two. So uh, it was so crazy and exciting to see so many people not not only at the press site but just everywhere around the cape canaveral and but yeah to see like so many astronauts in one place you see wherever you look you saw blue suits everywhere and you know i had the honor of meeting doug hurley and his wife karen and and then chris sabrowski from inspiration four and a lot more people that i know like on twitter who i've never met before and uh Victor Glover, I saw walking around. Shannon. The who's who of a commercial crew program. Just all those folks. It's really amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible to see how we've covered like, we've covered all those folks launching this space, haven't we? Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that's yeah. that I mean, just driving home from the scrubs, it just makes me stop and think how incredible, like how the like, community that space builds and like yeah, how yeah how amazing like you know what we get to do and meet these amazing people that are like yeah. superheroes to me like you know yeah. doug hurley I, is a, such yeah. an amazing person and such a brave man it just was such an honor and it was a dream of mine come true and so it was just is, amazing to see doug the is community. awesome he's, yeah. he's he's awesome and you know oh god seeing the social media posts for all the folks down there so i was like you know what i'm not gonna have fomo <laughs> but I, I had FOMO because people kept messaging me. Oh, are you here? Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, no, go find Jenny. <laughs> um, but uh, you saw, 
you saw quite a few journalists there. You saw quite a few photographers there too, right? I yeah, mean, I've, I mean, yeah. I've never seen so many, mm-hmm. I guess, people in one place for this one launch. Right. Uh, your, career, your career really started during the pandemic. Right, yeah. Right? So you haven't seen that many people. I mean, when I was... I- when I was asking around, I was like, oh, is this was like what Demo 2 was like. And they were like, no, Demo 2 was in the middle of a pandemic. Like yeah. we, people were like not all over the place. So I'm very happy that I got to experience this with so many people. And mm-hmm. even though the scrubs were very disappointing, I actually had um, a blast. It was just see- meeting people, talking to people, right. like just the energy at the press site of like yeah. just everyone just like like a big cookout with like all space fans. <laughs> That's what it was like. Yeah. I love it. You know, for those folks who were down there and if you're listening, I hope that you don't see the trip as a failure because going to Kennedy space center and going to oh, Florida yeah. space coast, you, there's so much networking opportunities. You meet so many cool people. And right. Yeah. It's still, you can still go to the visitor complex. You can, and a lot of the folks, NASA social folks got to do amazing stuff. Minus seeing a launch. I know that a lot of folks who were down there, that was their first rocket launch. And yeah, I want to tell folks, if, if that was your first, you know, rocket launch attempt, mine was really bad. <laughs> so mine was CRS-5 in 20, late 2014. The original launch date was December 18th. It scrubbed. Then it scrubbed four more times over the course of five weeks. And didn't launch until January 10th. Oh, jeez. Um, let me tell you, the social, the NASA social group started with, and back then the social and the media was together. So mm-hmm. there was like 50 of us in that pool. And by the time CRS 5, I can't believe I'm saying CRS 5 because <laughs> no, like, we're right? so far ahead. CRS 5, by the time that launched on, I think January 10th at five in the morning, there was five of us covering the mission from mm-hmm. 50. Wow. So if you were there for the first Artemis one attempt, and then you were there for the second. Now, Jenny, did you see a difference between the amount of people for the first and second? I'd say so. Okay. Yeah. I feel so like, the, people- I feel like the, I mean, by the first scrub, you know, people were so hyped. It was like, you know, everyone, you know, I guess a lot of people had hope, I guess people like me, uh, you know, I didn't have that much hope for the first uh, try. And like Eric said, but um, I feel like for the second one, everyone was a bit more like, I guess, tired and kind of just like laid back. They're like, all right, let's just, we were just waiting for the, like the official scrub announcement so we could just go home. But uh, (laughs) we didn't really put that much effort into like setting up cameras really quick or anything. We were just kind of hanging out, waiting for the announcement and waiting for like, you know, the issues to be fixed and stuff. So I'd say it was a bit more laid back than the first one. Okay. So there was less people, more of a cavalier attitude after the first (laughs) Getting a good photo, as you both know, it takes quite a bit of planning. It's not just going out and just snapping a photo. <laughs> and the remotes are even 10 times more complicated. Yeah, and I think how you've mentioned, Robin, like how NASA has been not the best at communicating with us with this right. mission. Right. And it's very last minute things or very vague things. And it's just, it's extremely hard for, especially the photographers to plan around that. So. Right. And we've had issues before. <laughs> um, we uh, set out remote cameras for... Boeing's Starliner test years back, and they moved our they removed our video, our camera. It's a known rule out there that you don't broadcast anything from the launch pad, anything. So we know the rules. Our equipment is set up that way. We've been doing it for seven years. 
So when Bo, I mean, we we got into it. We got into it with Boeing. Yeah, people need to understand that it's also we're out there to do our jobs, and it, this yeah. is a job that we have to do. And I think sometimes there's a, a disconnect between that understanding. I think sometimes people forget that a lot of times. Yes, yeah. we're not out there to take selfies. We're really there to yeah. work, and um, that's always been a problem doing space coverage. And yeah. um, to wrap this up, are you guys excited to uh, get back out there for Artemis? Are you if they if they invite you guys to go back for another rollout, will you do that? For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, rollout. I was at two, mm-hmm. and they're really fun. Like I like I said, it's the same thing as like the press site, like the, the energy and like the excitement, and right. just to like you know, I always have to step back and remind myself like this is what people saw when shuttle came out or when right. Saturn V came out, like right. it's, it's history right before our eyes. And so that's something that's one of my favorite parts of seeing a rollout, but I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited for when it launches. I, I, I mean, as much as like the scrubs are fun, like meeting people and stuff, you know, like 10 scrubs is not a lot of fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. my, max, yeah. my max is six. I've <laughs> never done more than six. I lost my mind. So I think Starlink 17, what was it a year or two ago? It was mm. like 11 scrubs or something. Oh, oh, I, do, like, I do remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. And then the Delta four heavy as well. Also yeah. scrubbed a lot. But. So, you know, we were talking about delays earlier and we have to mention that Starship has been delayed past when we thought many people thought it would uh, be gearing yeah. up for its orbital launch. And we'll be doing another podcast to talk about that. All three of us are heading down. Uh, to Starbase. If you're listening, um, I'm sure you've seen Jenny and Eric's photos everywhere, but we did grab a shot of that launch tower on our Instagram. Eric grabbed it while he was preparing Artemis, but it looks like uh, Starship hardware is emerging rapidly at 39A. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be our friends down at Starbase have been having all the fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Starship is going to be ours to cover soon. You know, I think we're all awaiting updates and I think we will catch up with both of you once we have a plan for getting uh, out there again. So I thank you both for being here. Thanks for sharing your insights on being there. We're going to go ahead and call in Chris Gebhardt and Swatna Krishna to, to let us know what's going on on NASA's side with this, this planning and whether SLS is going back or not. So thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jenny. We'll catch up with you both soon. Thank you so much, Robin. All right, and we're back. And I have uh, two new guests with me, Chris Gebhardt, the Assisting Managing Editor of NASASpaceflight.com, that amazing website that brings you a lot of live coverage of uh, spaceflight news around the world. And our friend Swapna Krishna, who's been on our show before. Swapna is the host of PBS's Far Out, which is an amazing show on YouTube. I recently watched two episodes about cannabis, and I know that the listeners of this podcast would love them. So um, Swapna, thank you for being on the show. Chris, thank you for being on the show. And happy Star Trek. Trek Day. Happy Star Trek Day indeed, and a definite and heartfelt live long and prosper to both of you. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, happy Star Trek Day. It has been a, a day, but I'm glad we get to cap it off with Star Trek news and this podcast. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. And funny enough, we had planned this podcast to talk about Artemis, one, because both Chris and Swapna were down on Florida Space Coast for this uh, mission uh, and the scrubs that uh, have occurred. When we planned this podcast, we realized later that it would be Star Trek Day today. And as our listeners know, we, the three of us, have only done Star <laughs> Trek podcasts. So since we're into it, Let's take a few minutes to talk about Star Trek 
And Swapna, we'll start with you because they are ta- they are announcing a couple of things or celebrating a few things today, right? They are. They we are. They are. There are going to be some announcements. I can't detail them because I'm <laughs> technically still under embargo. The by right. the time this, we're, we're, this... we're taping before the embargo, right? Yes. Yeah. So technically, <laughs> I can't reveal what will be dropped. But like, there's going to be good stuff. Like, look for a release dates of uh, new seasons of shows, new trailers. It's going to be good. That's awesome. I, I, I know personally, and like we'll see how well this ages in in a couple hours. Really, really, really looking forward to seeing a trailer for Star Trek Picard and seeing the next gen cast. I really oh, hope we get that today. That's gonna break the internet. The yeah. announcement broke the internet. The announcement I broke know. the internet. I know, so, and we might be a little early for that, but that's yeah. at least what I hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might get a. You know, for me, I was just like. I, they might tease it and then put a full trailer out later, but I think people are really right there with you, Chris. I think we all are dying to see that family again. You know, yeah. I, I, think, yeah. I think people are really, really excited. And uh, for me personally, I'm going to cry no matter what happens. I'm gonna, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I mean, back in March when they just had the, the little teaser where they had their voices and when I heard Jordy as second yeah. voice, like, I mean, I just started crying because yeah. I knew the voices I was going to hear next. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm stoked and I can't wait to that to happen. And then for the three of us to unpack it on this show at some point, because that's going to be a a great moment. And my only thing, and this is me being a toxic fan person, (laughs) I don't want, I don't know if this has already happened, but I don't want the ending of next generation, like tainted in any way. And I don't think that's ever, I don't think that's going to happen. But that's my toxic fanboy expectation. I don't know how to unpack that, but I TNG and the and the finale for me is still one of the pinnacles of Star Trek for me personally. And yeah. that's not for everyone. That's not for everyone. That's me and my personal what I want to take out of it. But I am really excited to see the story continue. I mean, I, I guess the part that comforts me about what's coming is that they have all spoken so highly of the storylines each of right. their characters gets right. that I and also I don't think Terry Metalis would mess with the TNG ending. I don't think so either. So I'm really excited and I can't wait to see what comes of it. I have some Star Trek news that's not so great. And I like to share. So in the movie world, there's been some shakeups in upcoming projects. And I know one of those projects was going to be the Chris Pine led Star Trek series, which there's three already. We'll reserve our opinions on those movies for later. But a fourth was in the works for many years now. Many people have been attached. Tarantino was attached for a while. There was a script, various people. The latest director that was attached to that movie was Matt Shankman, who is an incredible artist and director. He directed a few episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and he directed Marvel's WandaVision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he directed Marvel's WandaVision on Disney Plus, yes. um, which really yeah. elevated him. And that show, you know, that show was so unique to the MCU and just a unique piece of art in the pantheon of television. So Matt, I think his next project after WandaVision was supposed to be the next Chris Pine led Star Trek. But here's what happened. The Fantastic Four film, Marvel's Fantastic Four, which is a space set film and which we'll talk about later on, lost its director. I, his name is slipping my mind right now, but he was the director of the Spider, the recent Spider-Man trilogy. Fantastic director. Mm. He dropped out. 
Marvel scrambled for a, a big name director for Fantastic Four, and apparently they've landed on Matt Shankman. So Matt Shankman had to drop out of directing the next Star Trek movie, putting that movie back in turnaround, which I mean, could mean another few years delayed. So those fans who are looking forward to the next Star Trek film, I'm a film buff. I, I love watching Star Trek in the movie theaters. You know, half the movies have been bad. Half the movies have been good. I've been looking forward to sitting in a movie theater watching Star Trek again. So I'm kind of disappointed. I do hope that Paramount finds a good replacement for this film. I am ashamed that uh, I am not personally at a level to direct this movie. Neither is, <laughs> neither is Chris. Chris and I could have nailed. Actually, all three of us could have made this movie. Let's just put it that way. All three of us could have made it. I think we'd make a good writing team for Star yes, Trek. I, I think so, I think we too. Should. I yeah. think we should be writing Star yeah. Trek. So, right? um Paramount, if you're listening to this for some reason, we're available. Artemis isn't happening for a while. We're free <laughs> until now. Well, I was going to say, like, I, I, I'm, I'm the Star Trek geek that, like, after Enterprise got canceled, like, I wrote an entire series myself. Right. So, like, you too, huh? got it. Like, got 80 uh, episodes just yeah. sitting around. <laughs> if you need to find us, we're in the space program living through the, the slow episodes of Star Trek right now. And let's segue into that because Chris and Swapna just spent some time oh, down oh on Star- so you they've just heard the, the slow uh, birth of Star Trek yeah, more yeah. like it yeah they uh they've just heard from Jenny and Eric Kuna as you know Eric Kuna has a very colorful opinion of what's going on I wanted to hear from you both because you both were down there for this mission and you both have previous experience covering space missions in person so chris i will start with you because we just had an update from nasa down there what where are we with this mission right now it's a good question to which the answer is a question mark um in, in all honesty <laughs> man i could, I could hear or swap in the background there <laughs> um in, okay so in, in all honesty where where we are right now uh, recording this on thursday september 8th is they're going to replace the seals that keep the liquid hydrogen from leaking as they are loading it into the rocket in 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 sort of simple terms there's a part from the mobile launch pad structure that extends outward toward the rocket and gets bolted to the side of the rocket. And it's through that system of valves and seals that you load the liquid hydrogen propellant into the vehicle. And it's at that interface between the ground side and the vehicle, the SLS rocket, that we that the launch teams encountered a really significant leak on Saturday, September 3rd. And the size of that leak was three times the allowable safety limit. Because what you're worried about when hydrogen starts leaking is above a certain concentration in the ambient atmosphere, the ignition potential of that hydrogen becomes really, really high. Hydrogen is in our atmosphere naturally, but in such low concentrations that it doesn't ignite when you light a match or something like that. Right. And those allowable limits at the pad are 4% ambient concentration, and they were seeing leaks upwards of 12% ambient wow. concentration. So really serious. That's why they stopped. So they're replacing all of those seals on Thursday the 8th, as well as some of the seals on the liquid hydrogen bleed system, which is what caused the scrub on the first attempt. 
on August 29th. So they're going to replace all those seals today and tomorrow, 8th and the 9th. And then they're going to get into a fueling test no earlier than Saturday, September 17th. And based on the results of that test, which will show them if any other part of the liquid hydrogen system is leaking, that would then allow them to proceed toward their first requested launch on the 23rd of September, which is a Friday. Now, that date they have asked for, but they have not gotten it approved yet because as of recording, the safety range, the safety officers of the Space Force that control the airspace of the Cape and have to give their approval that this rocket is not going to be a danger to land, air, or sea assets. And assets in this case includes people and buildings. And that is all based on the rocket's flight termination system, which is basically the series of explosives that you would use to destroy the vehicle if there were a problem during lift off. Originally, the range said, hey, those battery, that battery certification is 20 days. Right. Design your systems accordingly. NASA designed a system that can only be serviced inside of the vehicle assembly building, which would mean rolling back from the launch pad. The range was willing to extend that from 20 to 25 days to get them through the September 6th launch window. And, you know, a five-day extension on something like that, I think everyone can sort of understand how you can arrive at that, right? Like, right. yeah, you're extending it, but it's not like, oh my gosh, why? what are you doing? Uh, however, to get to the final day that they have requested in September, which is September 27th, that requires that flight termination system to be certified for 47 days instead of 20. And NASA seemed to be saying like, oh, well, we'll just have the range extend it. They've had to really, 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 really walk those statements back. Because it's not as easy. Yeah, it's not as easy. Yeah, and Swapna, I'm interested in your thoughts on this because, I mean, they had to walk that back so much that they opened the press conference with basically apologizing to the Eastern Range for how they handled that. It was, I was really, it was so awkward. I was listening this morning and they were like, the Eastern Ranger are partners, they're our friends. And it's like, it was really obvious that they we love you. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, who did you, who did you piss off? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. wow, that's crazy. So basically, they have to replace the seals, redo the test and hope that the Eastern Range says good. You know, you, you, we approve the the waiver based on the information that you gave us, which which I should note is an option. Uh, right. It's also equally an option that the range goes, nope, that certification is there for a reason. You knew it. Go back. So all that said, September 23rd is the earliest possible they could go, followed by September 27th. And, and Swapna, I'm, I'm interested in, in if you sort of walked away from the press conference feeling the same way I did. I think those are the only two days they have in the upcoming two-week window here at the end of September, beginning of October, because they don't want to conflict with the DART mission, which has to hit Didymos and, and right. Diddy Moon on, on a certain date. That's just orbital physics at, at that point. And th- that requires a huge monopoly of the deep space network. And then after that, range assets need to be devoted for the launch of Crew 5 in early right. October. So right. it doesn't sound like they have other days to me aside from the 23rd and the 27th, as l- pending all of those other things going perfectly for them. No, I agree with that. That was my impression as well, because I think they said they need a full week to allow for Crew five they don't want to interfere with that at all and yeah i think if they can't make those dates and i think there's a big if big big if i mean if they have to roll back there's no way of course we all know there's no way they can make those dates right no you're Um, october 17th at the earliest i i will say i made a refundable reserve 
hotel <laughs> reservation. <laughs> I made sure it was very refundable. There's no way I would, if anybody is wondering, like, no, I have, I would say my confidence is low. I'll do you one more there, Swapna. I very purposely went for a pay later option on the nice. hotel. That's yes. me. That's what yeah. I do. Yeah. So wait, Swapna, did you make that reservation for the 23rd or the October? I made it for the 23rd to the to encompass the 23rd and I think it's the 27th days. But That's I, wild. Yeah, I, I always just like whenever I hear dates, like make a reservation that is fully cancelable cancelable yeah. uh, because it's just habit. And also so cancelable made- in increments. Like, yes. <laughs> check in, like. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so yeah, I, I I there's a lot of ifs around this. Um and right. that's also assuming that they tank the thing up and there's no more issues. Like right. we found there were mm-hmm. different issues in the two launch attempts and they're trying to fix them both. And we don't know what issues await us. Exactly. Like right. they have right. they have not gotten to a launch countdown yet, basically. So talk about okay, so yeah. I oh, and and they outright said they will not do a wet dress rehearsal yes. with this. It is just a they That's will what I was about not to ask do you a what? wet dress rehearsal. Like, Where are we on that? Where are we on that? Because they're I, not affirmatively not doing one, even though they're doing the full cryo tanking of the thing. Like they're still I don't not understand. doing one. I don't understand. Chris. Uh, they, they gave a fairly vague answer about risk trade-offs and not wanting to keep the vehicle fueled for a prolonged period of time. Which is an interesting statement to me because they also keep saying in like the next breath, but we're nowhere near the cryo tanking limit cycles because basically there's a certain number of times you can fuel the vehicle to chill it down and then let it warm back up like for what your structures are made to handle. And they keep saying we're nowhere near that limit, but then the the justification seems to be, well, we just don't want to leave it fully fueled for a prolonged period of time, but I don't get that. I mean, you, you yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Complete <laughs> right. No, because you didn't complete the wet dress rehearsal. Right. I mean, and they've been very upfront about this. So, like, there's some evidence that they can get to T minus 29 seconds, but what about all the other rapid succession things that have to happen from T minus 29 seconds to the moment you go to light the engines? Exactly. They haven't Once- practiced that. They haven't practiced recycles. They, yeah. And then, like once, I believe it's like they get to T minus six and the engines ignite. They, if they, if it aborts after that, they have to replace take that the thing back and replace right. the engines. Like right. yes, you can replace all four of them. Yes. So, like, Chris, yeah. How, how many times can they bring SLS back? That's a that's a really good question. Um, and and they touched on this a little bit today. So the tricky part with this is that there isn't a real hard and fast answer to that. There are life cycle limits to certain components for roll because as you're rolling it down the crawler way, it is vibrating, it is shaking, it is putting stress on some parts of the vehicle. And there are components that are only certified, you know, like to go back and forth X number of times uh, down the crawler way. But they indicated today in the press conference that they weren't really near a lot of those limits. It's their preference not to roll back just because that does put some stress on the vehicle. So if you can avoid it, try to. But they didn't indicate that they were like, only two more times can we roll back. They 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 kind of refuted that report that that came out a couple of days ago. Yeah, I saw Eric Berger tweeted it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, and I think Eric was the one who asked them that question in the press mm-hmm. conference today, and mm-hmm. and and they basically said they weren't really near the overall life limit on that. 
Okay. So now I want to talk a little bit about the culture at Kennedy. I know that Artemis One wasn't your first rocket launch. What was it like being down at the press site for that first, you know, the first window and the second one? Did you feel that there was a lot of energy and excitement and enthusiasm for the program? Yes. I will say I was not there for the second. I just didn't think I was going to... I didn't think it was going to launch, so I oh, left. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, there with the issues they have, I, yeah, I it, yeah. just, I was like, I don't think there is any way they can yeah. launch. And right. so uh, I left and I was. That's, and that's was experience great. for you. Experience yeah. teaches you a lot about rocket launches and, you it know, does. it helps you make decisions. So tell us about, you know, being down there for that initial, you know, campaign. I think there was a lot, there was a, definitely a lot of excitement. There was a lot of disbelief um, from myself included. Like, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're watching the tank, like tanking, like this rocket for a launch attempt. Like there was just a lot of disbelief because the rocket has been so delayed because a lot of us has been waiting for this for so long. There was a lot of disbelief. There was a lot of excitement. I, I will say like at the end of the day, even when we get a lot, many of us get a little bit cynical, a little bit like, you know, like, what is going on? But we all are still, at the end of the day, fans of space, right. fans of NASA. We want this to happen. Like, we are, we want, you know, we want it to go forward. Even there's a lot you can say about SLS, and there's a lot that has right. been said about it and that we will say about it. But like, right. it, I want this rocket to take off. I wouldn't go, you know, and be there if I didn't. And so right. I think there was a lot of excitement and I think there was no surprise when it scrubbed. <laughs> I think a lot of people went there thinking, you know, maybe this might scrub the first day. And I think Jenny and Eric, they both went into that first day think, you know, with the expectation there might be a s- scrub. Chris, on the coverage side, I know mm-hmm. you and I separately had a lot to deal with in terms of coordinating remotes with NASA and figuring <laughs> out coverage, just to say the least. It's something that you and I have to deal with all the time. But was there, you know, what what was the experience like for you? You know, you and I, we, yeah. were, we covered the wet dress rehearsals for Falcon Heavy. And that's uh, very reminiscent, I will yeah. say. <laughs> what, what, how was covering SLS for you? And like, you know, was there anything different expectations for you or, you know, what was that like? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say there were different expectations um, from me personally. I, I would say that the wet dress rehearsal campaigns went pretty similar to, to each other, with the big exception that SLS was never trying to light its engines right. at, the wet, uh, at the end of that wet dress rehearsal. You know, both vehicles encountered issues that they had to stop and fix that then affect, you know, when they can actually lift off for the very first time. You know, the obvious difference being that SpaceX actually completed a full wet dress rehearsal and then somehow managed to lift off on the very first attempt, which is unheard of for a new vehicle. That's not a slight against SpaceX. It's just first time launch vehicles. You expect them to scrub a few times before you get to lift off. So the fact that Falcon Heavy did not is amazing. um, Yeah. Yeah. That that was, you know, an anomaly in my opinion. And it still is, you know, I was going to bring that up because all three of us were there for that. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. that was the last most powerful. We keep you know. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was the, the last, last most powerful, most powerful rocket. <laughs> rocket. And I think all all three of us were there. Like, oh, there's no way this is launching today. Oh no! And you oh, no. spent yeah. two months telling us it was going to blow up. So we were just <laughs> like, just, what? Boop, there you it know, went when the wind lit up. Right? <laughs> So yeah. that created this like weird expectation with SLS, I think. Yeah, you know? and, and I mean, I'll, I'll say this too. Look to Starbase right now. Right. I mean, 
when did Elon want the first orbital flight to take place? Right. We're, we're quote unquote delayed there. We're, we're yeah. delayed, you know? Yeah. I, so. I mean, so like, you know, <laughs> I mean, look at this is very, I mean, it's, it's just playing out in a very different way because right. of, you know, how much SLS costs and taxpayer versus private and, and, and all of that stuff. The way like, it's built, it's different manufacturing process. Yeah. Well, exactly. Because yeah. it's, it's built because it's supposed to be the country's rocket, right? If you're okay. going to have taxpayer money, you've got to have buy-in from all the states and, that I mean, I'm sorry that that can't be cheap right. um, no. if you're if you're going to do it. But but yeah, like in terms of how it felt, like I, I think I, I you know I agree exactly with Swapna, like what the mood was. I I had always sort of maintained that if we could get through hi- liquid hydrogen loading, we had a good shot of getting off the ground. We right. have yet to actually get yes. through <laughs> liquid hydrogen yeah. loading, so technically yeah. still correct. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's it's kind of going the way I I would expect it to, and we'll just see what this fueling test holds at this point. Because if it leaks again. Uh, so, something else is wrong here. <laughs> Something's um, going on. Yeah. 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 Um, Swabna, you took a flight. And I'm sorry if I'm wrong here, but you did take a flight over the Space Coast during your a trip, helicopter right? ride. But that's yep. amazing. So that was, it was um, very cool. Our photographers do this against my wishes every single time. Insurance? Yeah. <laughs> and, and just like the danger level. And you mm-hmm. guys know what we've gone through with our photographers. The danger level of being in a helicopter over Florida, the like adding Florida into the equation plus helicopter. I'm always like, Jenny or whoever else is shooting photos from us. I was always like, don't tell me until after you're back because I don't want the responsibility of knowing that you're in a helicopter. But that being said, you're on the ground. You're safe. How was that experience? Did you get to see... Like, I've never done it and I'm going to, but did you get to see like the VAB, the, can you see the, the launch pads from oh, yeah. where That's amazing. So we were, it was wild. I have not been on a helicopter. I probably went my, like, is on it like as a dangerous as I, as I think it is. Okay, <laughs> yes like, and no. Okay. Yes. In that, like, it's like when the doors were off. Right. So it was just like when we were lifting off, I was like, oh my God, like Where what are the is doors? happening? <laughs> like so it was just like it was like like it could not compute like brain situation. Yeah. But like once you're up, like really it is like a tank. Like it feels yeah. very secure and sturdy. You're not like being buffeted around. And right. like the, the pilots are clearly very experienced. Yeah, they um, do that flight like three times a day. Right. And yeah. so we spent all of our time up near KSC and there was a Falcon Heavy booster import or sorry falcon nine booster import uh, that we circled around a few times as well and um it was really cool so there was a, there were a lot of as you can imagine with the with the vehicle on the launch pad um yeah. there were a lot of airspace restrictions so we couldn't get supposedly you can really get close you can fly basically fly over like ksc visitor center you yeah. get really close mm-hmm. During like when there's not like a rocket on the pad or right. when it's like a few days in between missions. Yeah, they do get pretty close. Chris and I have seen helicopters over 39A and we'll be like, get away, Elon. Because <laughs> we would assume it's Elon or like, I, Chris, I remember one specific time when we were on the ground and we're like, is that Grimes? Is that Grimes in the helicopter? <laughs> oh my we gosh. Were, yes. we like, our lens. We we're trying to get like, hey, get the 600 millimeter. Let's see who's in these helicopters flying overhead. But that's such a cool experience, Swabna, um, that you got to do. And was there, now you were there for Falcon Heavy. Obviously, there was a, yes. a lot of people down for Falcon Heavy. When you were at the Space Coast, not being on site, did you see a lot of people in the public getting excited? Did you? 
And, you know, Chris, feel free to jump in too. Like, what was the outside of people working, you know, the mission? What was that atmosphere like? It seems like everybody was really excited about it. Like every story I walked into, the clerks were talking about like how many people there were going to be at the launch. Like everybody was talking about it. Like not, you know, non-space people just like chatting at the grocery store. Like everybody, everybody (laughs) was talking about it. Like I stayed at an Airbnb and my Airbnb host said that every single one of her, she had four units and all of them were booked with launches. And like, it was really just very cool to see like in that, you know. it's, It's really awesome when we have space events like this because they do bring a lot of attention and new eyes on space in general. I was telling someone the other day in the last two weeks, we've gotten six applications for launch photographers at Supercluster, and we've never seen, we've never gotten that many requests in the last three and a half years. And I don't know any of these folks. These are all people who are picking up cameras at the Space Coast and taking photos and trying to get in the game. So it's inspiring people to also tell the story of what's going on there. And I'm seeing a lot of news coverage across the country. And I just think that no matter what, you know, what's really funny, guys, I was watching, um, I'm here in DC, and I was watching news yesterday morning, uh, ABC seven, just just like Maryland and, you know, Virginia, they covered the Starlink launch from the weekend. And I was like, that's really odd. You're just covering a rain. And that all had to do because they had their assets were covering Artemis. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And there was no way that Starlink launch would have got a segment, if not because of they were already covering Artemis the last few weeks. And I think that there's a, a magnifier effect when one thing like SpaceX, you know, we're, we're all focusing on Falcon Heavy, that lends coverage to all other things, including Artemis. I don't know if you all remember when we were there for Falcon Heavy at Kennedy, there, at NASA was there promoting SLS. There was a, a SLS representative. Mm-hmm. There was, mm-hmm. you know, this community and the industry is still at a point where another industry or another agency's success will have a, a good impact on your program, especially yeah. if they have nothing to do with each other. Generally speaking, Artemis is more than just SLS. There's the Starship element. So what the way I see it is like, okay, we're covering SLS at Kennedy, but we're also covering Starship at Starbase. And I wanted to segue and end this podcast on that note because we know what we're doing for SLS. We're waiting on updates from NASA and, you know, hopefully it gets off the ground soon. But you're both keeping an eye on Starship down in Texas, right? Absolutely. And Chris, I know that NSF is, you know, you guys are the primary source much of the time on many of these updates. And shout out to Michael Baylor. Um, Swapna, do you think that you will try to make that trek see i use the word (laughs) i haven't been down since i was with chris uh, a couple of years ago and i'm looking forward to being down there for orbital if i can work it out but so do you think that you'll you'll head down I would love to. I will say the logistics are just going to be, it's going to be something I don't like. I, it's, I know it's really hard to get to. Like, I know the Space Coast, like the back of my, like, I know exactly where I like to stay. I know where I like to eat. I know. Florida is still civilization, regardless of what we see on the news every day. It's still civilization. (laughs) Our base is far from it. Just like in the middle of nowhere. So, like, that's going to be a, just a 
thing to take into account. Like as exhausting as launches are and like, I mean, like I as busy as launches are on the Space Coast. And I will tell you, Chris and I, besides like a quick hug and a hi, we did not see each other at all. Oh, no, don't you. expect to see your friends at Kennedy. Yeah, it was so but, yeah. busy no. and like we were all so tired, but like the remoteness of of mm. Boca Chica adds another layer of just like pre exhaustion to it. <laughs> it's a lot. It's very. It's it's a lot to be there. It is. I mean, it is literally like at the end of the day, like Boca is very similar to to Kennedy in this regard. Like, you know, where Swapna and I were staying was probably thirty minutes away from each other. Right. So, like when when you start, like by the time you get to eight thirty nine o'clock, and it's like, all right. <laughs> dinner right. it's like yeah love you want to see you no no do the- not look that's one thing i learned because you know i go down there it's a small community we all know each other we're all friends and you expect to see your friends at work but then you go four days without seeing each other and it's mm-hmm. really crazy and we do try to you know have events outside and things like that but artemis is one of those missions where we're all working really hard there's so many components to the mission there's so much to cover so much to track so much to do and i feel like it's one of those missions where we have to work really really have to work you know yeah mm-hmm. covering falcon heavy the first launch was like all right yeah it's elon's car it's not much more to unpack <laughs> after that artemis is a serious mission trying to get humans back to the moon in a couple years Orion is a deep space crewed spacecraft that is uncrewed for Artemis One, but it will eventually carry four passengers to the moon. There's so and much. And this is on a it. stress test yeah. too of Orion exactly. and the European right. service module. I mean, right. it's. It, I mean, if they launch, I think the, if they launch in early September, they're back in late October, and if they take this day on the 27th of September, they're back in November. Right. Um, so it's a long mission. Yeah. So Apna, how are you going to gloss this over for the Star Trek community? Because we know that you're the representative from that community. <laughs> you have to tell them. You have to tell them. You have to tell them what you witnessed, Kennedy, for Artemis, and what we're doing. And let me tell you, if this was Star Trek right now, like for real, the Vulcans wouldn't let us join anything. Yeah, we would be the we would be that species in the first episode of Strange New Worlds. Yes, 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 absolutely. Oh. Um, I will say I did I did write because like I was at the launch as a freelancer, and when you yeah. go, it, it's it's actually I did not expect NASA to credential me for this because they don't usually like when you don't have an assignment, you're just like, hey, right, right, I'm just credentialed right, no. under my first my like my, my name. name. <laughs> But uh, they did. And so, of course, I went. But I was going to pitch a bunch of post-launch stuff, obviously. And um, so the one piece I've written so far is about how I played my Steam Deck in the backseat of my car while I was waiting for the rocket to launch for NASA. So I did some video game or for Wired. uh, Yeah, because you have a really great video game column in Wired. And if you're listening, please check out (laughs) Swap. On the wire column. Thank you. But um, no, so like that's like the one thing I've written because like people in a lot of cases, like it's cool that people are excited about it, but a lot of people aren't going to care until it launches. And so I want to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. Well, let's hope it comes soon. And um, I wanted to thank you both for being on the show. This whole thing is, you know, it's both good and bad because we're all really excited for the mission. But of course, people are wondering what's up and um, we're trying our best to communicate that to the public. So uh, thank you both for giving us color and giving us uh, your first person account of, of down there and, and, and this update that we had today. I hope that Eric Kuna wasn't too cynical um, because <laughs> Eric, 
he's very real candid and, and uh, Eric has to lug the batteries around Cape Canaveral for our remote cameras. Um, <laughs> so I hope even though I wasn't down there at Artemis one uh, for this past attempts, I will be joining you both uh, and our photographers, hopefully for the next attempt. If it goes beyond September for Star Trek fans, please follow Swapna and Chris on Twitter there's going to be updates coming out in the next couple hours, next few days. I will be on vacation for the next few weeks. So please follow my friends, follow Jenny Hotman and Eric Kuna on Twitter. And again, thank you, Swapna. Thank you, Chris, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yep. <laughs>